welcome back in listeners to another fabulous episode of whisper in the wings from stage whisper we are joined by an incredible guest today so we're very excited to bring them to you we have the writer performer and director christopher taja whose show under heaven's eyes is part of the 15th annual united solo festival His show is playing Tuesday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. at Theater Row, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting bfany.org. This is an incredible show you are not going to want to miss. I cannot emphasize the timeliness and the importance of it, but I'm doing a poor job of explaining it. So we're going to bring on the expert on this. Let's bring on our guest, Christopher. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Oh, what a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on your fantastic show. It's an honor. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here. And with this wonderful show you've got, this solo show, Under Heaven's Eyes, as I mentioned, I was reading the press release and just reading the synopsis. I mean, one show is not enough of this. It needs to be weeks and months of playing with how powerful the material is. Could we start by having you tell us a little bit about what Under Heaven's Eyes is and is about? So Under Heaven's Eyes is about societal racism from a Black man's perspective, a Black British man. And it, he, he goes on a journey to try and understand the nature of racism and the nature of racism of how it's affected him, how it's affected his parents' generations and their generations before him. So it deals with contemporary England. It, 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 the ball set, set rolling in this, in my, 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 in my lead character's life, Michael Livington, when he when he watches George Floyd lose his life the way he did and the, the way it affected him is probably the way it affected most people. It, it set him on a journey of discovery of self to try to understand what he's just watched and, and, and how it, it was allowed to happen. And it's pretty much how, how it set me rolling to write the play. So Michael goes on this journey to try to understand it's in the middle of lockdown. It's happening in real time in 2020, just after watching George Floyd lose his life. And Michael Livington in his flat during lockdown in 2020, in, in yeah, 2020, he decides to try to understand by researching and reading, finding as- various incidents of racism throughout throughout his his life and history, both in, within British society and American society. That is just incredible, absolutely incredible. And as I mentioned, it's timely. And kind of going with that, you kind of alluded to this next question a little bit, which was, you know, the murder of George Floyd kind of sparked you into writing this. Is there anything else that inspired you to to write this or gave you the idea to put pen to paper? Yeah, well, um, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in just understanding history, understand, I, you know, I, I, I'm weighted down with books about black culture and, and, and so, so black history is my thing. My theater company, Pulse, 
thought spirit theater company is 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 delved in that that's that's what i that's where i i love to sort of base my play in it's all to do with with black culture black history and and contemporary history leaning towards black history so but that's that's my sweet spot that's what i'm interested in so i'm interested in that aspect of theater anyway that's the kind of theater i love to produce so when i when i came to to develop this piece i felt I felt it needed to have some kind of historical basis to it as well. I mean, George Floyd didn't just come out of nowhere, you know? So there's reasons why these things happen. But, but just because we understand there's reasons why these things happen, is that it? Do we just wait <laughs> and say, okay, these are things that these things are going to happen every so often. Okay, fine. Let's move on to the, no, 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 no. We have to address this. We have to find out what this thing is. So it deals front and center with racism. Wow. See, that is incredible. And I, again, I, I keep coming back to how timely the show is. It's important. And here we are three years later from kind of the inciting incident, if you will, that sparked the show. What has it been like developing the show? along the way and getting it ready for the United Solo Festival? Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big show. So it's, it's very difficult because it, 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 there's, it's really packed, this show, and it's difficult to even categorize the show. So if I say it's a solo show, your audience will think perhaps, okay, a solo show, I know what that is. I've seen that solo performer before. But there's more, there's, there's, there's greater depths to this. I like to, I don't, I like to write things that make people think, but also are not easily, easily to sort of comprehend necessarily. I don't want to spoon feed my audience. I've done an immense amount of research on this. So I've done an immense amount of research to do with recent black deaths in British society, historic black deaths in British society, recent black deaths in American society, historic black deaths in American society. So those are one aspect. I also love poetry. So it's written in an interesting, acceptable, beautiful kind of a way. I love to deliver words in a, in a beautifully poetic kind of way. So there's that kind of element, because I just love, I love that anyway. So it's interesting to listen to as well. But it's also a fictional character. So I've, I've written, a, a created fictional elements to this as well, but I've based it entirely in reality and it's based here and now and it's dealing with issues here and now about race culture and what we do about it all of us you i all of us together i love that now is is this the world premiere of the show or has it been done elsewhere before you know it kind it kind of is a world premiere it's it's certainly the u.s premiere I have done the show and it's been quite difficult developing the show because as I say, when I first wrote it, we were in the grips of COVID and the lockdown. So it, the first times I, I did it in 2020, it was via Zoom. So I, I did it kind of like just to my laptop. 
so that that was interesting as a performer. That was an, a whole new thing. I'm sure you've had people on your show talking about performing on Zoom. That that was a new kind of dyma, dy, dynamic and, and interesting. I, I took it to Edinburgh Fringe Festival to give it its first stage physical performance with a live audience last year in 20 in 20. 22. I took four plays actually. I've got four, three other plays, and I took all four plays and I played them in rep. That's another story. So over the over the month of Edinburgh, I took my four plays and on three three nights I did Under Heaven's Eyes and other nights I did my other plays. So that was all quite kind of interesting. But up at the Edinburgh Fringe, I, I had a 70-minute version. At the fantastic thing about what I'm bringing to New York and the United Solo Festival is that I'm bringing the whole play. It's the whole play. It's the first time that I'm doing the whole play. So 100 minutes of my play, you will see live without any interval. I love it. Yes. Yes. I want to ask, I mean, we... I can kind of feel like I know the answer to this, but what is the message or the thought you're hoping that the audiences who see this will take away from it? The character in the play doesn't know the answers to any of this. So, so, so my character in the play is a middle, he's a middle-class guy. He's, he's living his life. He's, he's got kids, he's got a mortgage. Everything's fine. It's comfortable, two holidays a year. He, he, everything's fine. He doesn't have to go on, on, on demonstrations or anything. It, it, everything's good in his life. But when George Floyd happens, akin to the lockdown, he suddenly reflects on the fact that despite everything, he could, he's just another black guy, just like George Floyd, right? He's disposable. So, so therefore he has a reckoning and so what I want, I, and I don't want to give too much away, but because of he not only has a reckoning, but he meets people in the play that have a reckoning because of what has happened to George Floyd. So it, what I want people to, to, what I want to have, what ideally what I'd love to have is for people to ask themselves questions about what they are doing to combat racism. This is simple, it, it, it seems simplistic, but why is racism still around? Why is discrimination still around? Why do we accept it the way that it is accepted? It's only at, at pressure points, extreme moments, like a George Floyd moment that we all sit back and think, oh my God, but incremental things have led up to George Floyd moment. That's the point of the play. And that's what it brings about. Those are the questions that simmer throughout my play, those incremental moments of discrimination, you know, of inequality, those incremental moments that we just glide by, that my character's probably glided by as well, but he's actually, he actually goes on a, on a Black Lives Matter march during the play. He, you know, he wouldn't have thought about doing that because it wouldn't, it, his life was fine. Do you understand? <laughs> he was doing okay, you know, but he's realized, no, no, no. The, these are questions for me as well as you. Yeah. 
I mean, there, right? That that is the crux of the bigger conversation right there. So I love that the the, the show carries those questions and those ideas and those messages. Yes. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to Under Heaven's Eyes? I would love to have really, you know, it, 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 this is a play for everyone. And what I love to write for is, is a play for everyone. But I would really love school age young people to come and see this play. Ideally, an ideal thing for me to happen would be to, to, to tour this play to universities across the U.S., you know, that would, you know, I would just love that to happen. I would love that conversation to happen. I would love to hear the energy and, and, the, and, and, and just to have that debate, just to have those after show discussions. That's what I would ideal, you know. So school age, university age, young people coming to see this play would be fantastic. <laughs> to change things up now for the second part of our interview and let our listeners you know get to know you a little bit more on a personal level pull the curtain back if you will <laughs> and i want to start by asking you our regular first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you or just some of your favorites uh, Ralph Ellison was a, was a book that I re read and and started watching. There's a little prologue in, in the beginning of Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man that I I saw when I first started acting. People just used to do that that the uh, Ralph Ellison bit, and I read the book, and that book inspires me. Fantastic, fantastic book. So I I I love that book. August Wilson. I've been in some of his plays that. He inspires me. I love a lot of writers, I, I, I've realised. Obviously, the great works, uh, Shakespeare, people like that, obviously inspire me. But I think, I think it's, those, it's those writers, Trevor Roan from the West Indies, he inspires me. I love, um, I love playwrights um, that, that, that deal with the human condition, you know. So those are, those are the kind of things that inspire me, for sure. I love that. What a great list. A list I'm going to have to check out too. <laughs> now you are based in the UK. Out of curiosity, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? There's a play called Sold, which fuse, it's about the story of an, an enslaved woman from from British Bermuda as it was during slavery period, British colony as it was. And she gained her freedom and she wrote an autobiography of her time uh, being an enslaved woman. And it, it sold out three times over in its first printing. And yeah, so that, that I, saw, I saw that play and what that play does, it tells the story of Mary Prince. And it fuses music. It fuses. It's, 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 it's got a very African folk theatre kind of a feel to it. It's very earthy, very powerful. 
And so that was was a fantastic piece of theatre to watch. It was just two women in the play and and the, the drummer kind of, although the drummer, it's two, two females, as I say, the drummer never speaks, but, but kind of does because she has these, these, these drums that just vocalise and just kind of speaks to the lead actress. So that was a powerful, enriching, invigorating, important piece of theatre that I saw. I also recently went to see Hamilton, actually. It's, it's over here at, at Victoria Palace. So I went to see that. And, and I'm not a musical theatre guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a straight actor kind of guy. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's just ex- extraordinary. It's extraordinary and astonishing. And what a piece of writing. And, and just fantastic piece of theatre. Yeah. Inspiring. <laughs> yes. What is your favourite part about working in the theatre? Oh, I suppose ultimately performing. I mean, there is nothing... There really is nothing like performing on stage with a live audience. It's just intangible. It's just it's just electric. So that is just unique, special, uh, a moment in time. So that's off its, on its own and that drives everything and fuels everything. But I suppose creating the piece whatever it is that I'm actually working on, because I, I, I write all of my things. And so I think creating it is is just about second to, to performing it. I love that. That is a wonderful answer. And a great way to kind of lead into my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, wow. I think, I think I've got, I'm going to give you, can I give you two? Yes, absolutely. Okay. First theater memory and amazing theater memory is going to a, a place called the Palladium over here. Do you know the Palladium Theater? I do, yep. Obviously, world famous. So it's in the West End. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing theater. I was at school, so it's a school trip. And I saw Jack and the Beanstalk. And uh, I just I just remember the magic of that. I just remember that I don't remember too much about the show. I think there were some personalities in there, but it wasn't that. It was just the fact that I was at a school trip. I was in this amazing theatre and I actually saw this fantasy in front of my eyes. This, 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 this fairy book story, the magic of it, the, the, the stalk and just that, just that memory. I just have that, that frozen photograph in my mind. So that's an amazing memory that I, I just was, it just lives with me, just that. And I may, maybe that's the bug that, that got me into this career. I don't know, but I just, I've always remembered that. Secondly, I think the first, the first adult performance I did, I did school performances, but the first adult performance I did as an amateur, I remember, because I'm a poet as well, and I remember reciting one of my poems. That was that's what I was going to do in that show. So I was re- reciting my poem. I think it's the first time I've ever really stood on stage as, an, as a young adult. And performed in front of an audience. And I remember butterflies. I mean, I, I mean, real butterflies. I mean, you say you forget butterflies. I remember a butterfly fluttering around in my stomach. I remember it, it felt exactly like a butterfly. And then as I s- continued the poem, not quite halfway through, it disappeared. And I've never felt, I've just felt at ease ever since. Never had that feeling again. Wow. 
I love those though. Thank you so much for sharing those. Do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, I, as I say, I have three other, I have, <laughs> I have the thing that I was writing before George Floyd, which could be, it could be, it's close to my heart. It could be the best thing I've ever written. It is a book. It is a children's book. I haven't shared that with anybody else. I've lived with it for nearly three years. It's not out yet. I haven't got a, a publisher just yet. And I don't want to say too much more about it, but I'd love to come back and talk to you about it when it is out. But I'm really, really excited about that. Other than that, I've got three other plays. One about Martin Luther King called Dream of a King. One about Coretta Scott King, his wife. And one about the Windrush. It's called Admiral of the Windrush. I'm sure you know what the Windrush is all about. Um, sadly, I am ignorant to it. Would you oh, okay. a little bit? I'll, I'll, I'll briefly tell you then. It, the Windrush, it's to do with the British Empire, the British Commonwealth. The West Indies was a, was a col lots of British colonies and, and, and British rule over there. So in the 60s, in the 50s and 60s, they requested a lot of migrants to come over from the colonies, from Jamaica, from Barbados, all around the Caribbean to come over and help Britain after the war. Britain, Britain was a battered, poor place and the health service needed was, was, was new and it needed people. So basically they came over and they fueled lots of and filled lots of positions in the health service, in, on the public uh, transport service. And they generally basically helped build, build Britain to what it is today. But there came a period when all of the invitees that they requested and said, please come over and we'll give you citizenship and everything. And so 30 years later, after people had had their lives and paid their taxes and had families, they suddenly decide to, to revoke certain people's passports and say, you now have to re, you know, come back and we have to get your status again. And if you can just bring all of your papers from 30, 40 years ago, that would be fantastic. Well, people didn't, you know, they didn't didn't come over with, with papers necessarily, and it didn't come over with, with past passports. So basically, the Windrush generation was, was those first migrants that came over that helped to build Britain were sadly mistreated, sent back home, and became non-people because they didn't originally have passports and they made their lives here. They didn't go back and they were made to prove who they were again. They couldn't prove who they were again, necessarily. Some did, but there's a whole, there's a whole political thing going on about, you know, people being made to leave and, and all sorts of all sorts of happenings through the through the British government, you know. I remember hearing about that when I was over in the UK back in 2019. So yes, yes. I, I'm slightly familiar with it, but I'm so glad that you're working on that as well. So I love that. You've got a lot of irons in the fire. This is all very exciting. And that leads to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Under Heaven's Eyes or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? 
So you can you can contact me on all, all the socials. You can find me on Facebook. My theatre company is Pulse Thought Spirit Theatre Company. So on Facebook, you'll find me there. you find me on Twitter under Christopher Tajar. You should find me on on Instagram the same way, Pulse Thought Spirit. Uh, my Twitter handle is at C Tajar. So Tajar is spelled T-A-J-A-H official. And you'll find my Twitter handle and everything's on there. Perfect. Well, Christopher, thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today and sharing this incredible work you have. Truly, thank you very much. This is powerful work and I cannot wait to hopefully see it. I can't wait for others to see it and for it to have a life beyond the United Solo Festival. So thank you very much for your time today. Well, thank you for having me so much. And I must quickly add the third the performance on the third at the United Solo Festival is for charity. All proceeds will go to National Action Network. I won't take a penny from that performance so it's all for a good cause. Well, that is wonderful. Thank you so much for adding that. And thank you again for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your fantastic show. What a pleasure. Thank you. My guest today has been the writer, performer, and director, Christopher Taja, whose show Under Heaven's Eyes is part of the 15th annual United Solo Festival. It's playing Tuesday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. at Theater Row, and you can get your tickets and more information for this incredible show by going to bfany.org. Important to note that all proceeds from this show are going to the National Action Network. This is a show for charity. So even more motivation to get out there and support this wonderful artist and this wonderful show. We also have some contact information for Christopher that we'll be posting on our social media posts as well as on our episode description so that you can stay on top of all of the many things Christopher to. There's some incredible stuff that is out there. I'm sure that is to come. But the next big thing you need to make sure you catch is Under Heaven's Eyes, Tuesday, October 3rd, 7 p.m. at Theater Row. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Bye.